Behavior has meaning. Let's be curious. What does that mean? What energy is going on in your family? What behaviors are surfacing in your household? Have you ever heard of languages of love? The idea that we feel like we are meeting our family's needs, our kids' needs, our spouse's needs, but we may be missing the mark if we are not aligning our efforts with their love language. Today's message might shine some light on your frustrations and questions behind why a relationship might be strained with a child or a spouse, why your efforts might feel like they're not working. You are pouring so much time and energy into your family and it doesn't feel joyful. It's messages like today that can change generations and bring a household back together. So stay tuned. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I want to change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction, Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. Welcome to episode 145, Behavior Has Meaning, Let's Be Curious, with Peggy Willette. Peggy served many years in her brick-and-mortar outpatient psychiatry practice, only to close her doors and start a virtual family-focused functional medicine psychiatry practice. And you know what? That's good news for us because if we resonate with her message, we do not have to live in the same state to benefit from her services. Peggy has witnessed many adults in treatment that indicate that they were not seen or heard as children, so she is passionate about changing the landscape and mental health She wants to change that culture and believes that we have to start with the parents and how kids are parented. Peggy starts with the basics and then she builds from there. There was a part of me that I wanted to pull out parts of Peggy's interview and highlight them right now before we get started, but I don't want to give you any excuse not to hear this entire beautiful message that will give you tangible takeaways to bring more peace into your household, to bring you hope that change is possible, and we always have some control over our circumstances. I really believe this will resonate with every parent and grandparent, and it's never too late to work on our best selves and our best family. Okay, I am so excited to talk about healing ourselves, healing our family, ultimately healing the world, with our guest today, Peggy Willette, and she is the founder at Functional Family Psychiatry. Welcome, Peggy. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. When you and I were initially talking and I was just learning a little bit more about what you do, I thought, wow, I hope our audience just opens their ears and, and minds and comes in ready to 
to take it all in, to take notes, but also just to kind of absorb this. We're coming from um, a mental health aspect today. And really, I want to dive right into that because you say I'm passionate about changing the landscape and mental health, which to me, I want to hear how you started and then like what gently led you all the way down this path. Totally. Yeah. So I think my first passion that I discovered early in my own life was that I loved kids. I've always loved working with kids. And I didn't realize until I started teaching some years later that not everyone has that desire or passion. Oh, I didn't know not everyone loves kids. Okay. So I just want to say that's my come from place as a kiddo, you know? And so that kind of led me down, you know, my educational path. You know, first of all, I I was, I was a young mom and put myself through school and I I was going to be a teacher initially. And somehow I was in an interview, college admissions interview. And and the, the person was like, have you thought about nursing? And so I'm like, no, not at all. <laughs> and so, no, <laughs> no, I'm good, you know. And so science was not my strongest, you know, in school, but um, I was a good student. And so I, I it, it made me curious. And so I started thinking about that and I ended up doing nursing and I'm so glad that I did. So it led me into pediatric nursing. And one of my first jobs was on a psychiatric unit working with teenagers. <laughs> and so dive right in. (laughs) And so, you know, and I always was concerned about teenagers, you know, you heard all these horror stories as a young mom, like, oh, wait till your kid becomes a teenager, you know? (laughs) So little did I know that prepared me very well for life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. Very quickly, I, you know, I had some great mentors and teachers while I was um, working in the hospital. And I, I really like have this drive for learning. And I went back to school and discovered, you know, psychiatric nurse practitioner. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. Like case studies and labs and really diving into figuring out what's going on with people. So I I did that. I, I, I ended up becoming a nurse practitioner. And so it really pulled together all the things that I loved, you know, being a detective, being a teacher, Uh, working with kids and families. And so I did, you know, I was in the field really for, it's been 25 years now. Yeah. So that's how I, that's, that's my, my profession part. Okay. So as a nurse practitioner, as, as are many psychiatrists, we become medication managers, which nobody Mm -hmm. really talked to us about in terms of Mm -hmm. our role. Nurse practitioners tend to have a reputation of being more, you know, holistic in a way and doing a little bit more teaching and education. However, you know, and I had my own private practice, which was beautiful because regardless of pay, I was still scheduling half hour appointments with all of my families and really taking the time and and not just doing 10 or 15 minute med checks and, you know, doing quick turnovers. And a lot of families came to me because they learned that I did labs and Mm. I was, and I, so as a, as a teacher, I've always encouraged my students to really look beyond what's presenting in front of us. And so I would draw labs and people would be like, why didn't anybody else do this? Right. Well, if I'm, I'm going to be prescribing medications, I want to know how's your liver, you know, what's going on in your body, how, you know, some vitamin levels, your, your iron, your D, you know, some basic labs as a baseline so that we can have a starting point. And 
as I doing these labs, I uncovered a lot of things that really taught me a lot. The kiddo who turned out had a dust mite allergy and could now return to school because we addressed the dust mite allergy. We changed some behaviors. We changed a few things, changing your bedding routinely, you know, really made a big difference. And this kid took off like literally he made started making he was like 10 or 11 he started making friends he started he learned how to ride a bike for the first time like he started showing up now this kid literally presented as ADHD and maybe possibly some depression he was falling asleep at his desk easy easy you know easy enough to prescribe a stimulant which would have woken him up but we would have missed why was he falling asleep at his desk he's the sweetest boy and backtrack for a minute so it was the labs just so our listeners understand like really how it was from the labs that you found the dust mite allergy that's right the lab so I was doing baseline like they have a a, an allergy panel a childhood allergy panel that's easy if you are a provider it's an easy one to run you know it's covered by insurances and you know it was it was really easy and so these like finding these things and really determining what the root causes were really continued to drive me in my passion and my learning. Yeah. And so this, this sort of led me to functional medicine essentially, and like not settling for no answers, an advocate. And I'm a, you know, I'm like, I'm going to find out, I'm going to figure this out. What's going on with your kid. So, and that's why parents love you. And that's why your schedule is booked. Cause oh my goodness, have an advocate for your child is unbelievable. Right. Right. Why is no one doing this? Why is no one listening to me? Even this morning I was listening to a, a, a parasite summit, you know, and it, it reminded me of this, one of my first, you know, teen patients and the mom had been to multiple providers and the kid was like 16 And she was like, it's like every full moon, he is a different kid. Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. peek. He literally would leave the home and walk down the road like for hours and come back. And he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And my, my heart today and the kiddo must be, you know, mid twenties at least right now. And yeah, probably 30. Yeah. My heart goes out to the family and I'm like, the kid I bet had parasites, you know, he, he had all of the the classic symptoms of parasites, but if you don't get that in your educational program, you don't know that as a provider. And so, so it's not a lack, it's not a lack of not providing the right care. It is a, do you feel like it? Cause I know every listener is like, we keep hearing, why isn't it happening? And this is why, because we're not there yet. Do you think that like, there just needs to be more education and more open minds coming into this functional holistic view? Yes. Yes. We need okay. to get the word out there so that people understand. One of the things that drives me is the mamas, <laughs> the, the women, you know, that, kind of like show up in your office with a notebook and they're like, tell me what I need to do for my kid, you know? And like, I'm here, I'm open. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. And so like for those people in a way, it always drove me to want to learn more. They weren't just happy with a pill. They asked questions Mm -hmm. and they knew their kid. They knew something wasn't right. Something was being missed because I don't know how many families would go to, and even in my own office, 
the labs look normal mm -hmm. on paper, according to the guidelines of that lab, you know, they were within a normal range, but it wasn't per se optimal for that kid. And, and something was still being missed that doesn't show up on routine labs. Right. I could start crying because I feel, I'm sorry if I do on you, but I do, I feel like whether it's a parent for a child or whether it's ourself that we do hit this, like, I know myself, but everybody else around me is telling me I'm wrong. And so at some point people cave and just go, I guess this is what it is. And then you're this breath of fresh air coming in going, hang on, we're going to keep investigating then. I, I believe you and we're going to, we're going to keep looking. Yeah. Oh, so good. Sorry, I keep interrupting. <laughs> and truly, it's great. So, and kind of deep in my journey now, but fast forward, really not too far in the recent past or too far back in the past, yeah. um, I had my own health issues. And I remember as my body was changing and I was getting older, I remember going to an OBGYN doc and I'm like, okay, this is great. She's a woman. She's, I can talk to her about these things. And I'm like, you know, doc, like, I don't feel good in my own body, you know, and she's like, ah, this is normal. You're, you know, going through menopause and you're this and like, it's, it's normal. And I'm like, I, I never went back. You know, there were some other things where I'm like, I literally never went back to her. And I'm like, this is not normal. I go to my own doctor and I'm like, I'm experiencing these vague symptoms. And so I encourage her and she's great. And she's like, Hey, you know, I know you know what you're talking about. Like, of course I'll order some labs for you. Everything came back normal, literally mm -hmm. more labs, all normal. And so I've been there as far as that goes, yeah. you know, and it was really difficult and frustrating. And so I experienced that low level kind of brewing over a few years, which I now can look back and see that this process is happening for a lot of people. You know, this yes. doesn't happen overnight. It started slow and low. And so rewinding to my own parenting side of things, I had challenges with my own kid. He had some difficulties in school. He struggled with his own depression. Here I am. I'm like, I was dubbed, you know, this woman I ran into a few years ago. She's like, oh my God, it's the world's best babysitter. I was, I knew what I was doing. I, I, I love kids. I know kids. I can talk to kids. Like, and at the same time, headbutting with my own kiddo. Right. To this day, we have a very strained relationship. And one of the pieces that I noticed in doing all of this education and, and this process and one of the things that I realized is it has to start with us. Can you hear that? It has to start with us. Okay. Say it again. <laughs> okay. And I didn't know. And so like, as I'm looking, I'm, I'm a bit of a systems thinker. So I think that's like who, like my come from as a kiddo, like I've always can see the big picture. Maybe it's growing up in a big family. I don't know, but like I could see, oh, that one needs more water or that one hasn't, you know, been fed yet. Like I could always see those things. Yeah. And what I'm seeing in this landscape is all of my peers that are treating chronic substance abuse, chronic autoimmune disorders. We're seeing rates of things. Diagnoses are just blowing up right now. All of those people, when I look at providers and even in their own stories and their own journeys, they're like, until I really targeted and treated my own childhood trauma, hmm. I never really got better. 
Interesting. And so we have this medical side of things. It's like, okay, I can draw labs all day long. I can look at that and look for something, look for what's going on in your body. Yeah. And yet that piece of nobody got me, nobody understood me. And that's in a way partially where my own story comes in. Like I, I believe that my son feels like I, I didn't see him. I didn't hear him. I wasn't listening, even though I'm like doing everything post to, you know, we've got sport, what happened, like you name it, salad, we ate salad. We had, we had dinner every night, you know, we did fun things together. And at the same time, there was, there was some friction in there. And I, I do feel like that's a piece of it. And so kind of like when I have, parents who are ready to implement changes, a lot of times they're like, how am I going to get him to agree to this? How am I going to help somebody make changes? And so what I have discovered is you have to help your kid feel seen and heard Hmm. and they will show up for you. Right? So that's where starting with ourselves and knowing what helps us be seen and heard Right. And helping us heal those parts of us that are in our own childhood, it literally all trickles downhill. Can you keep going with examples on that? So like, sure. for you, what was seen and heard and what have you noticed within your son that's kind of made of this aha, it's better moment? Sure. So I see this in my own life, in my own in relationships in general, when you are, and, and think about this for your own self and, and to your listeners, think about a moment where you, you're like, they get me. They just heard me. It lifts you up. It rises you up and it, and it energizes you and kids as well. So when you are connecting with them and they're like, oh my gosh, you get me, you hear me, they'll do anything. They're going to show up in a way that most of us are like, but my kid won't listen. My kid isn't hearing me. They're not doing these changes that I want them to make. It's because the boat is being missed. The kid's still not feeling seen and heard. And so like figuring out their love language is an example. You know, what is your love language? Like, do you know what your love language is, Lindsay? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Words of affirmation. Okay. Um, I really like leave me a note and I'm yours. I love notes. I love. (laughs) Yes. Right. So what did you just say? You leave me a note and I'm yours. You're like, your heart is getting your loving cup is getting filled. Yes. Right. It's a simple tool and you know, there's no connection to love languages, but you can go to Five, the number five lovelanguages.com literally and it just takes a few minutes and you can do a quick down and dirty quick, quick survey and you can find out what your love language is and there's love languages for kids but if you communicate in a way that allows your child's loving cup to be filled mm-hmm. like dude <laughs> like seriously <laughs> like it makes all the difference and you can test this out it's so helpful in a way like these podcasts where people walk away with a simple easy thing to try and you're like what does this have to do with mental health well it has everything to do with mental health because this is where we start because when you're working with me we're gonna we're gonna go into a whole different line we're gonna go into nutrition and I'm gonna teach you how to 
how to feed your family, but really how to feed yourself and how to start with you first as a mama. And, and then it all is going to trickle down. But when you understand your own love language and your own kids love language, it's like, you got the key, you've got the right key that's fitting in the lock and it, and it works. Yeah. It's incredible. And don't leave this for a minute because I agree with you. I think this could be the one thing if everybody wants to turn off the podcast now, you could walk away. And if you've never heard of love languages, that's where you have to start, right? Like, and you're giving them, we'll put the the website in the show notes as well. But our pastor actually, and I was going to say, this comes in from a relationship standpoint too. When we were getting married, he was like, this is my gift. I give all my couples. And I had never heard of it before. And I'm telling you, we literally talk about love languages almost weekly because even from that spouse relationship where you're going, you know, you're not leaving me notes and he's going, I'm full-time working. Like, you know, he's the breadwinner. And I'm like, thank you. But that's not my love. My love language is, you know, and it's just so funny because somebody else from the outside can be going, you're so crazy. And it's like, if it doesn't touch, like what you're saying, if it's not filling your cup. So I love thinking of that with our kiddos too. And I guess we naturally do that a little bit, but to really ask them and like, take a quiz like that. What is their little love language? Thank you for bringing that up. That's awesome. Yes. And truly like, you know, you may have some younger listeners that aren't mamas yet. And one of the things that you can do is be intentional. So like you, you know, if you have, you might have no kids, you may have toddlers, you may have teenagers or young adult or adult kids. Like, I don't know what your age, you know, listening range is, but if you are a new mama and you have babies, we can be intentional about and it, it really doesn't take long to get this in your own body, but to understand you can actually fill There's like five love languages. There aren't that many. You can be intentional and fill your baby's five loving cups, utilize and address the five love languages. And in a way, this sets them up for that feeling of safety and security, limbic system connections at a younger age. Interesting. I believe this is how we're going to change the world. Because if we start our babies' brains and neural pathways building and connecting right away, yeah, like it's a game changer. You know, oh, that's so, can you rattle them off? I know people are going. I've never heard of this. What are the five languages? <laughs> sure. So words of affirmation, touch, gifts, um, quality time. And which is, which is actually my primary love language is quality time and acts of service. So when you're doing something for somebody. And so there are some easy ways um, that you can actually just make it a habit. So you don't even Mm. think about it anymore, but you just have to start where you're at. So this is a really cool way of starting your children in a, on a different path. And in a way, like for you, Lindsay, like how do you communicate to your partners? And so in a way, we again come back to we have to start with ourselves. Yeah. And yes, you know, sometimes with your your mate, like sometimes we have to like beat them over the head with it a little bit and remind. And at the same time, what am I doing to fill his loving cup? Right. Yes. Because when we're filling their loving cups, your mate, you get it back. You just, right. you, you have to just, again, start with you. And it's, it's, it took me a long time to get that part. 
But just to kind of close out some of those thoughts too, if any listeners are out there thinking, you know, I'm not in a good relationship state, a lot of times therapists do have you come in individually before you'd start any couple therapy. It's the same as what you're talking about. And I just, your message is so brilliant and spot on. And if everybody could just take away, it comes back to, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? And so if we, the person who are wanting to be this, this provider and this, mom and wife and we've got to we've got to love ourselves first which is what you're shouting at the top of your lungs and I love it yes and that's where somebody called me the whole family healer like my whole family approach because when we start with us you know your relationships get better your everything gets better your relationships with your kids your mates your you know everyone's (laughs) ripple 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 that they're like how is my spouse relationship going well now that my kids are working. Like, I think it's so okay. cool to think that. So I know what I was going to say now. So <laughs> it's easy to blame it on the other person. So this is kind of the mindset shift. So this is where I wanted to go next is in a way it's easy to show up in the doctor's office and say, you know, plant your kid on the couch. is like, he's not focusing in school. Or, you know, going, taking your kid from doctor to doctor to doctor, trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And in a way that's missing the boat. So when I first started at the, on the psychiatric unit, you know, inpatient, I learned very quickly, which was one of my very first lessons is behavior has meaning. And so I want to say that again, behavior has a meaning. So when our kids are acting out, we need to try to figure out and be curious about it. What is going on? What's contributing to that? Easy to blame the husband or the mate and say, well, he's not doing such and such. Well, kind of think about what's the root cause of that? What, you know, what, why is he not filling my loving cup kind of idea? And what can I do differently? And so taking responsibility for what's happening in our lives and not per se identifying the kid as the, what I've always called the identified patient, Hmm. right? So the kid, when the kids would come into my office for treatment of childhood disorders, we'll say that the kid is the identified patient. And at the same time, it's actually the kid is a symptom of what's going on in the family. So it's not just, it just happens to be, that's the symptom. This word functional that you use within this, because in in fitness, functional means we get to use it as our daily life. So whatever we're putting in as effort into training that muscle muscle group, it's because it's going to help lift the grandbaby or that muscle group's going to help do something specific in our life that we need at that moment. And so you use that word a lot. And again, have we already talked about this or is there more to that functional component? So no, we haven't per se. So when I, when I closed my practice, which was just in 2020, you know, I, I literally woke up one morning and I had already been on in a mentorship and already like done all kinds of training in functional medicine. And I'm like, I was going to do this like slow transition and continue with my med management clients and sort of, and then I'm like, I woke up one morning. I'm like, you can just close your practice. And I literally that morning, first patient of the day, I'm like, 
I just made a decision. I'm closing. And they're like, everybody, the response was amazing. They're like, that's awesome. Good for you. Like, this is great. You know, cause they know, they've known me forever, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, my, my initial thought when I made those decisions was I'm going to do labs. I'm going to help people. I'm going to find out like, is it heavy metals? Is it, you know, parasites? Like, what is it going on with their kiddo? And like reflecting back on, you know, folks coming to me previously, people don't per se need more labs. Like, yes, that comes later, but they need. So one of the things I learned is that when we change our environment, people get better. Hmm. So when we clean up, you know, our food, when we clean up the air, when we clean up, you know, all of that, we, we get better and the symptoms start to slough away. And so what I, what I, how I designed my program is to work with families where they're at, you know, figure out what's working well and to teach them how to nutritionally give their kids, their kids brains, what, what their brains need. Yeah. So that they can optimize because our bodies are amazing. Our bodies already know what to do. And so families are like, what, what do I do? How do I fix this behavior or this symptom? He's not focusing. It's the wrong angle in a way. It's too limited in its scope. The inattention is only one component of what else is going on. And so we have to look at the whole body and the whole family and when we start changing what's going in as our fuel, then our, you know, our body functions at a whole different level. So mm. by starting with that piece, a lot of people don't need to come and see me anymore. And so that's the piece that I really wanted to get away from is like, you know, as my kids, you know, my kids in my practice would be like, they're turning 18 and they're like, Hey, my pediatrician is like, you have to go see an adult doc. They're like, Am I going to have to go see a different psychiatrist? I'm like, I can see you till you're 99, you know, that's it, you know? And so, and I, and I could see the, you know, what path we were going down, like come in and see me. They look forward to it every month, you know, and maybe every three months and routinely prescribing their medications, you know, doing their random labs and checking up in their bodies. But I'm not seeing a way to affect change in the world this way. There, there are plenty of people that will prescribe medication that help, you know, with your symptoms. That's not what I want to do anymore. I don't want to keep people coming to see me. I want to teach families. I want to teach mamas how to show up for their kids 24-7, like in a way that is meaningful so that their kids' brains have different outcomes and like we can start lowering the numbers of autoimmune and schizophrenia and Alzheimer's and you name it. Like it's all related. Wow, so, so good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so this looks like I feel like it's still a little unclear what your day-to-day -day looks like at the moment. Sure. So I have a group program. And so my day-to-day -day now is no longer prescribing medications. I am working with the person's prescriber. So a lot of people are able to lower and or come off their medications of different types. So I'm, I'm really working with the family. So they enter into my 12-week program and then they continue with me, you know, 
at a different level, but they're all of the education step-by-step is there for what they need to do essentially. And I'm there every week supporting them. And, you know, at at the intake, we do uh, like a symptom, essentially a a pretty thorough symptom checklist. And so like we, it, it gives me some guidance in terms of what's going on in their body and still no labs have been drawn. Okay. It's such a different mindset shift for me, you know, unless somebody is in an acute state, like there's, there's an exception to every rule and everything is truly individualized. And so I work with the family wherever they're at and really help them to make these shift one shift at a time. And, you know, I'm, I'm there for as little or as much support as the family needs. This is awesome. And so for our non-medical community, an intake for them looks like their their family's coming in, you're getting input from the child, you're getting input from the adults and this family, and then figuring out goals slash a game plan to move forward until they come see you again. And then you assess and you would keep game planning. Big, big time. And so one of the things I'm in development for is um, a more comprehensive gut healing program once they've done the fundamentals because mm-hmm. and again this is stuff that my families have been telling me for years in my office and I I I was somebody that heard them you know hey you know when we sent my kid next door and he had that blue Gatorade at the neighbor's you know birthday <laughs> party or whatever and they're like and he was in a meltdown mode for the whole rest of the day they're like that was the only thing that was different. Like those kids were easy to figure out like, oh, there's a dye allergy. Yeah. Right. But right. again, going back to even like my, in my own body and my own symptoms, a lot of these things are low level and they brew. And so like disease doesn't happen overnight. And that's where we can really, you know, affect change with our own kids is really helping like lowering the toxic load in the home, in our water, in our food, which is, can be really simple, truly, you know, it's not always easy, but it's can be very simple. And once, once you know this, you can't unknow it. <laughs> true. You know, true. You can't I unknow know. it. <laughs> I think because you brought up the word simple, this is a great time to talk about this too. Sure. I noticed that parents and I, I want your opinion on all of this. If you are already in overwhelm and call that because you have other little ones, let's say it's your oldest that's having the issue and you literally still have a baby and a two-year-old, you know, your brain is just, you're hearing this and you're going, I don't have the brain space to think about tracking their food even during the day, let alone, you know, like really diving in. And this is where I think you're going to come into play. You're hand holding them through it. Or they go, what do you mean? My water is not good. Or what do you mean? My like go through how you talk to your families about all of this. Totally. And so in a way, when you talked about the overwhelm and I can't handle another thing. Mm -hmm. And part of that is getting that brain to calm down the limbic system and the response and the reactions to calm down. And so truly by having, you know, if a family is in big overwhelm like that, we pick one thing and we said, what are you willing to do? Let's do this one thing and let's put the energy in there. You know, if it means, you know, breathing for three minutes in the morning before you get out of bed, like we keep it as simple as needed, whatever they're willing to do. Because going back to the tracking piece, I'm not really having people track in the same way that I was. And I couldn't get it. I couldn't figure out like, 
if you track your kids' bowel movements, it will help you uncover, you know, what's going on for him. And, but like families just, I, I couldn't understand why people weren't doing it in a way because it isn't easy to do. Like, oh, let's write this down. And for some, like there are people out there that are like, oh yeah, we got this, we got a chart, we give me a form and I'll fill it out. Um, so again, starting like, I would say when you're thinking about feeling that overwhelm, just start with being curious, be curious. And if people are listening to your podcast, like they're already curious, they're already learning and they're already interested in the world. Right. And so be curious about your family, be curious about why is it that I have 20 extra pounds or why is it that I'm feeling exhausted every day? Just be starting there and know that it doesn't have to be this way. And I think that hope is really what helps people pull out of the overwhelm and keeping them laser focused on what their, their want is, what their goal is, what their desire is. And we keep them focused and that's, that's their, their why, what is their own personal why? Right, right. Oh my goodness. I a hundred percent agree with you with the, the belief system, like you're saying the hope or the faith of that. I even can change anything. Cause if you can't even start there, then everything's overwhelming. Cause you're like, I'm going to fight and I'm still going to get to the same answer again. So. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Context. It's a lot different than a 30 minute med, med management follow-up appointment. So I can do that work and do the support that the families need and want and are ready for, you know, they're like, I know my kid could be doing better. And I can see us sitting on the couch, you know, before bed and we're getting up and we're still tired, like whatever that energy is that's going on in your family. And you're like, I know this isn't like, we shouldn't be feeling this way, but I don't know how to shift it. And so I really, I really keep it simple for people. I feel like my community understands membership to a certain extent and like the ability, how we all get to consistently lean on each other and for accountability, but I'm hearing more program out of you. Is there a start and a stop to when you start seeing these families and you, and how often do you see them? We spend some time at the beginning in terms of preparing them for the program and kind of outlining the, the, you know, laying out the landscape, so to speak. And the community piece. So one of the things I've been in mentorships now for a few years. And one of the things I realized early on is that when you are investing in yourself, but it's not just having a one-on-one coach per se. And I'm not sure, Lindsay, if you're doing group or if you're doing one-on-one, but I, both. okay. So one of the things I learned for myself and what I see with others is that in the group, in the community, we're like 10 times in our investment because we're getting the benefits and the support of the community within that context. And so you don't always know what question to ask. You didn't even know sometimes that that was a thing, you know? And so whether you're, you know, I'm doing some sort of hot seat kind of coaching in the group, uh, everyone else is learning from that. And so You know, it's not just a half an hour with Peggy every month, three months or six months. It's, it's hourly. It's an hour every single week, an hour, sometimes 90 minutes every week and of, of, you know, opportunities for, for coaching and it's, it works. It does work. Everybody's there to support each other, 
you know, one of the things like when this pandemic hit loneliness and lack of community and connection, there are some studies, which I don't have off the top of my head about the impact of just that piece. Yeah. You know, and so we have to rebuild that sense of community and connection and it, and it works. That's when people really get better. A lot of people like, Oh, I don't want to be in group therapy or like there's a that own resistance until they experience it. And they're like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. There's a lot of resistance. Like we're going to sit around in a group and I'm going to hear other people complain and I'm already busy and I don't have time for this. And it doesn't feel like that. (laughs) It's like-minded individuals who I can just picture in your groups, these moms going, this is working for me. You can try it or not, or I'm struggling with this. Totally. Totally. It's, it's quite incredible. I love it. (laughs) Yes. I'm in, in constant evolution, you know? So I want to jump back to the tracking piece. Yes. So busy people. So one of the big game changers, and I'll, I'll show you, like I have this aura ring on now, but a lot of people have like eye watches. They, you know, Fitbits were a thing in the past, like these sleep trackers. Maybe a year or so ago, I, I got an aura ring. I had heard about it and it has changed so many of my own behaviors that I didn't know were impacting me. So in a way, it has become an easy way. So I'm not having to, per se, chart all of my stuff every day. But one of these things is it does is it tracks my sleep. So I started seeing some of my things that I was doing, you know, going to bed late was one for me, um, snacking before bed. was just It was just a habit, like, oh, got a <laughs> snack, you know, brush your teeth, go to bed. And one of the things that my aura ring literally will be like, oh, it looks like you ate late last night. Your heart rate dropped. Like, I'd be like, darn it, you know. And so, darn you. Right. So, you know, it just like started making me more aware. So we already mm-hmm. have. So again, for your listeners, if you're like, where do I start? Like, pull out the old, get the dust off, the proverbial dust off your old device, your tracker and use it and like start looking at some things that you can do, you know, I have, um, I'm starting to wear my screensavers. So my, my numbers would drop significantly when I would have meetings in the evening. And so that screen time was activating me and it would take me forever to fall asleep. So I started wearing my blue light blockers at night. No problem. Mm-hmm. Huge difference. And so even in the daytime, I'm wearing, you know, these, these have like the, the day, t- the screensaver, and then they have like, you know, and then there's another color that goes on at nighttime and I'm like I've, I'm wearing them and it's yeah. helping it's and like, you can see it and, on your <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so you know and, and this didn't all happen overnight you know yeah. but I'm I'm like no Peggy even though these glasses don't really fit you that well and they're like not that pretty they're uh, working you know what I'm I saying? think it gives you this great little <laughs> image of exactly who I want to listen to right now I'm loving them cool. <laughs> so but I'm I, my point is that like these are pieces that we can do some small shifts and like really valuing your own self. So when we take care of ourselves and we prioritize ourselves, we can show up for our families. We can be present for our kids and we can literally help them feel seen and heard because we are, we're more grounded, you know, we're, we're, we're awake. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Everything gets better. (laughs) Um, let's just make sure no one took awake as, I mean, sit and like, let this sink in for a second, listeners, that awake doesn't mean we're literally awake. It means that we are not just zombies walking through our day, clicking off the checklist. 
we are intentionally there with our kids. We're listening. We're, we're doing, I love this from one of my other podcast interviews, stop, drop and fold. So like you stop everything you're doing, you drop whatever's in your hands, your phone, and you fold your hands and give your attention. And that's kind of how I envision being awake that we're just very present. Yes. There's a, a little story that like, I keep this image keeps popping into my head, but I was, I was hanging out with a friend and her little boy was like five and we were just sitting there chatting. And I don't know if it was something that was said or something that triggered this kid. And he like started having a meltdown. And I'm like, Oh, I wonder what's going on with him, you know? And so I kind of stepped back and he drops himself right there on the floor and he puts himself into a child's pose. And within a few minutes, this kid gets up kind of like brushes himself off and he's like, I'm going to go get myself something to drink. And I'm like, what just happened here? So when we, when mama's doing yoga and taking care of her body and she's breathing and she's really showing some emotional intelligence by talking with your kids and listening to their words and help then the kids know what to do because our kids be who we are. You know, and so when you know what to do with your own body and like, oh, I'm tired and like, I'm going to go to bed and we model that for our kids, they know what to do. Right. And like this didn't, this happened all organically, just a witness to this event. And I'm like, he was self-soothing. He was self-soothing. He knew what his body needed. He was upset. He knew how to self-soothe and he got up and like literally within (laughs) a handful Right. You Which know? is amazing because adults can't even do that sometimes, right? Like I feel like. Right. Yes. right. So as mothers, how are we supposed to teach our kids if we're not listening to our own bodies? Right. And so if you know you're puffy or you know you have some low level brain fog, I had multiple chemical sensitivity. I had mood changes yeah. from my own environment. I got a chance to witness it from my own angle. Oh my gosh, those poor families. I need to help people get out of that and to know it doesn't have to come with a diagnosis. It doesn't have to be bipolar or anxiety or all your labs are normal. And like, you got to go see a psychiatrist because this is not fine. Your body's fine, but you know, this is anxiety or this is your depression. I think that's a pile of poop, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, there's other ways there's, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I always feel like it's like blending of everything, right? There's like a a place for things, but that we've leaned too far into this place and that we need to get this nice shift back towards there's just options and understanding what's out there. That's why I love doing this together is this opportunity to be like, there is a Peggy out in the world and we have access to you because it's, do you work virtually as well? All virtual. All virtual. virtual. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I close, I, I close my brick and mortar practice and stepped and out of there. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's amazing. But I think that's the beautiful thing is that it doesn't shut off us off to hearing like, okay, this is awesome that Peggy's out there, but I live in, I live in Arkansas. You don't live by me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. But I could yes. still use you. And yes, yes. Oh, yes. And I don't want to wrap this up, but I need to be conscious of your time and 
and maybe I could keep asking you a thousand questions, but I always send my guests out with this question. Do you have a common way that you leave your families or a phrase that you always say or something that you want to pour over our listeners today? Well, one of the things I like to say is do it for you, do it for your family, you know, do it for your kids, do it for your family, basically, you know, do it for them. So a lot of people are like, I, you know, I don't need to meditate. And this was me. I was like, yeah, I get meditation. I I can't focus on it. My mind's too busy. But for a lot of people doing it for themselves isn't enough. Right. So do it for your kids, like do it for you, do it for your kids, do it for your family. And so when you start making changes, it's going to help everybody else. And you're the person, you're the CEO of the family for a lot of women, you know, they're the CEO, they're the ones that, that have the big picture, they're running around, they're doing everything. Well, we know, you know, everything comes from the top. And when you're doing it for you, you're doing it for your kids. Mm hmm. And we have to teach our kids how to listen to their bodies and to know what their body needs. And when I ate that thing, or if I had a gut feeling, I know how to communicate that to my parents and they're listening to me Yes, and we're going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty simple in a way. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for all of your beautiful wisdom. We're so lucky to have you today. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you or you can picture that exact person who needed this, I'm always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2021 the year that we are going to pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also always appreciate it when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open-minded to new information, keeping an open mind to the fact that our journey will look different now, and in five years from now, slow and steady, y'all. It's not always instant gratification and not always that exciting, but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all the years and every season of life. I cannot wait to catch up next Friday. Cheers to health and happiness.